0: so i'm I'm glad that I have the opportunity to uh to speak to you here this morning um I'm excited because i I tell you what doing messages whenever you do a message, I'm always excited about it whenever it it speaks to me and it's like as you as you're writing things down that God's given you its it's it's interesting it's like a two edges to it it's like oh that's oh yeah, God, yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I get you on that. That's a good point. Like, you, you receive it yourself, right? And so I'm excited because, not just because God helped me out a lot with this, but I, I really do feel just in my heart that today the Holy Spirit's going to challenge you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart, and the Holy Spirit's going to bring things up to you. And I, I always share this with people who say, you know, what's the— How do you hear from God? What's the number one way that you hear from God? I I don't know about you, but correction is probably the the most spoken to thing for me, and rightly so. I mean, how many of us have our paths straight and everything aligned just perfectly? No, we don't. But the Holy Spirit's so good because whenever he corrects us to change us, there's a blessing for us. I need you guys to know that God wants better for your life than where you're at right now. You might say, well, boy, it's, it's pretty good right now. He still wants better than what you have right now. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, you might have remembered that I, I spoke about worship. And so what I want to do today is I want to continue on that, but I want to continue on the, the kind of some of the mindsets that sometimes we can have whenever we approach worship. And here's the other thing to, to, to understand that, Worship isn't just the, the time that we come here and we, we do, the, do the music on a Sunday morning. Worship is supposed to be something that we live out literally every moment of our lives. Every word we speak, every thought we think, every action we take is supposed to have some connotation tied back to worship. You might say, my word, that's... that's a lot to think about. Yeah, you're right, it is a lot to think about. (laughs) But thank God that he's able to help us do that, to put us in a place where he can do that, because he knows that if our mind is stayed on him, we're in perfect peace. If we're relying on him and not necessarily what we think, we're able to tap into his power and his grace. And his grace, guys, I tell you what, that, that is his ability, his power to work in our lives. And He can do some great things in our lives if we allow Him. So what I want to talk to us today about in our worship is I want to ask some questions, and I'm hope, hopefully this spurns some thoughts within you, and golly, I don't know what kind of thoughts they'll be, but I, I do believe by the Spirit of God He's going to get you to think today. And what I want to talk to us about is our categories that we put on God, on ourselves, on other people, on worship itself whenever we think of God. And whether we admit it or not, we all live in categories right now today. Society loves to put us in the categories, right? I mean, go ahead and make a profile for anything, any website, anywhere. Everything you fill out on your demographics information, it's all categories. Social media wants to put you into categories. Society wants to put you into these categories based on What your race is, what your religion is, what your financial status is, what your sexual orientation is, what your popularity is. How many likes or dislikes do you have? You know, your YouTube videos, do they have a good ratio, up or down, whatever? Society wants to put you into categories. Why? Well, because then you almost kind of define your own expectations if you have yourself in a category. I know what to expect of myself if this is the way that I think. But that's what society wants to do. Now, I also think that it's a large large, and part part of marketing so that they know how to sell you things better if they know what category of things you, that you like. But you know what? The God of this world is not going to miss that opportunity to take advantage of that and put limits and caps on what you think of your own life what you think of the outlook of this world, what you think of the outlook of how you should expect to feel, what you should expect to have. And what i want to challenge you today is I want the Holy Spirit, and I have prayed this, I want the Holy Spirit to show you in your life these categories that we have put on ourselves, on God, that change the way that we interact with Him in a not-so-good way. And so what I want to do today is I want the Holy Spirit to bring light to you on how you're doing this right now. Here's some examples. Here's some, 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 some ways that, just some examples of what we may do in our own life. We say, I can't get a better job because of this category that I'm in. My family is why I can't ever really enjoy or be happy about this because of whatever past experience it was that put you into that category. Well, the way that I was raised, All right? Ouch. Yeah, we all feel it right there. And our parents are somewhere all of our parents' eyes slightly twitch, right? (laughs) I've always dealt with depression because of this category that I live in. I'll never have deep, meaningful relationships because of blank. And we put the category there. I'll always deal with this because of that. But you know that's just for our own lives. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, you can think of a few things of maybe things that you wish you had a better life with, but you feel like you're not entitled to it. Or you feel like you can't have it because you're limited by some, some outward circumstance that stops you from being able to enter into it. But you know we do this category with others as well. It's not just ourselves that we do this with. We say well, That person, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my friends, the people I hang out with, my kids, my church, those people that don't go to church, again, it's all these categories, right? It's because they're old that they, or it's because they're young, because they're Too smart, they're too well-read, they're too ignorant, they're uneducated, they're arrogant. It's because they're lonely that they feel this. It's because they're malicious in their thinking. It's because they're angry. It's because they're codependent. It's because they're selfish. It's because they're sheltered, that they always blank. And we do this with the people around us. And it's, it's, so, it's so tough to avoid because it's so automatic. Whenever we see someone we, and we get to know them, we want to size them up. Or whenever we come in, like, let's say, you know, you're going through, maybe you're going through some kind of level of education. I know that sometimes at work, you know, I, I, I can give this example for myself. They do these continued learning things, right, where you take these classes, and it, it, it's kind of giving you insight into other departments of how, you know, what's kind of the, Standard operating procedures for these other departments, you know, and how an engineer thinks, how someone in marketing thinks. And it's like with that knowledge, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's why the people in marketing are always blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's why the engineers, you know, have no emotions whatsoever. You know, no, no, no just kidding. <laughs> you know, but, or do you, you have like the, you have the leadership courses, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, has, have, have my bosses read this? Like, this, this, this. this. You know, and then, but, but, but we never want to look at that for ourselves. I behave this way because I'm lonely. I behave this way because I'm selfish. Those categories, no, 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 no. Let me put them on everybody else first and me last. But we do this with God, too. We do it with God because we'll say things like, I can't receive healing in my life because of blank. I don't raise my hands and enter into worship because I think that's blank. I don't pray every day because blank. I don't have time. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. We can put the categories there. I don't express my faith well to others because whatever. I don't agree with parts of the Bible because of whatever. And I find that the people that most often say that they don't agree with parts of the Bible are also the people that whenever you ask them, well, have you read the whole Bible the whole way through? That that answer is a never a yes or a no. <laughs> it's a very, very long explanation. <laughs> As to, as to why that question was not the right question that you should have asked in that particular situation. I don't believe that prayer really works in these areas in my life because of whatever. Are we getting the idea of how we put categories on things in our lives and how easy it is to do it, and it seems harmless? But what I want us to realize is that these categories are one of the single most arrogant things we could possibly do in our lives. Because we're saying, God, in your unlimited power, in your unlimited abilities, you can only do this in my life and nothing more. The God that created the reality that we understand today with words. 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 A word, and he spoke life into existence, the elements into existence, time into existence. Oh, but I'm sorry, God, I can't have deep relationships with anybody because, you know, of some past stuff that just, I I can't get, I can't get through that. Oh, okay, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus is just like, oh my, like, oh, God, did you, did you see this? Like, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do in this situation. How would he handle this? No. God is unlimited. Now, does that mean that he just boop and everything's fine and okay and that category's gone and it breaks through? No. But as you work through it, as you understand where you limit God yourself, he will open up new realities to you. Revel. Our God is a God of revelation. Our God is a God that wants you to explore the beauty that he has for you. The beauty of whenever he says that If you are born again, all things have passed away and all things are new. That is not a one-time thing. That is a continual renewal. All the things of God are new to me. All the things of God have been opened and I am able to receive them, not because of me and my categories, but because of Jesus Christ. And whenever we start to do this, whenever we start to look into it and look, even if it's just a little bit of knowledge of, yeah, I do this in certain areas of my life, that's all the Holy Spirit needs to start working. I'm not saying that you're going to leave today and it's like, oh man, it's all fixed. That was was the best, you know, hour and 15 minutes ever. No, it's a lifelong thing. And some of these things are not going to be resolved with one conversation, one time in prayer, one chapter of the Bible it's going to have to be a whole new lifestyle of worship to our creator to allow him to redefine our life. Yes. But you know, these categories, it's, it's, it's hard to resist wanting to use them. And I think, you know, if we're honest, there's a, few, there's a few factors that come up in our life and then we kind of use a category whenever we encounter these things. One of them is ignorance. We don't understand how something works. We don't understand why it does what it does. And so we just plop a category on it because it's easier to do that than to figure it out. Like for me, it's automobiles, right? I mean, I have some operational understanding of, you know, how things should work within a car, you know, but still at the end of the day, whenever I go to put that key in and I turn the ignition, for all I know, it's magic that goes on inside of that. I mean, people like Tyler Doyle, Dan Pulliam, I mean, Honestly, you, you might as well be wizards to me whenever it comes to the vehicles. I mean, it's, it's magic, right? I don't understand it. So I put a category and I say, that's it. That's, that, that, I, I don't get it. And I never want to delve any further into it. But I wonder how many of us do that with the emotions that we don't like in our life and the Holy Spirit says, let me work with you to overcome these things. Let me come in with you to bring revelation of light. And we resist, we resist, we resist, we resist. No, no, it's just, it's, it's a bad part of my life and I don't want to talk about it. Whenever our Redeemer wants to totally rewrite your history, oh, I'm telling you, if we can do this today, just get the idea of this today, Another thing is sometimes we use categories as pain protocol, right? Something bad happens, we don't like the way it felt, and so we instantly put the category in it to label it so we don't have to deal with it any longer. It's just, this is it, X on the box, do not open ever, you know? At first opportunity, you throw into volcano, you know, that kind of a thing, right? But here's the thing, here's the thing. Whenever we do that, all of a sudden, this is the reason why we get upset, so upset with our spouse, or with our friend, or with our family, whenever they say something a certain way that we don't like, even if they are doing it with kindness in their heart. They said something a certain way that triggers an old memory of something, and all of a sudden, because of that pain that got stirred up, you snap back at them or you get mad at them. It's the pain protocol. You put the category on it, you don't want to deal with it. And so it's kind of, look, buyer beware, actually just... Don't even get within proximity. This thing's going to blow if you get close, right? And then we get mad at people because they don't know where our landmines are buried, <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean it like that. My gosh, I would have never thought that. I would have never even imagined that. And look, here's the thing. I'm saying this, and you're like, ha you know, we all laugh at it. But like, I do it too. I'm not the, I, look, I'm, the, I, I, I'm just as guilty with this. But don't we do that? We put these, like, landmines of these emotions and pain around this, and then whenever somebody steps on it, it's like, I, I can't believe they said that to me. It's like, how do they know? Right. Or we misinterpret people's good intentions, and we want to label the way that they are acting to us in certain ways and say, well, it's because of this. This is how they are. No, 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 no. It's because of how you are. Right. And I think if we're honest, that's what the Holy Spirit would say, like, hmm Sorry, sorry, that's, that's yeah, I, they got some things that I'm working on with them too, but uh, let's talk about you. Another way that we do, we, we sometimes put categories is it's experience guided by knowledge. It's to say, I know the lay of the land here. I know how this is going to play out. I've seen this before. I know how it's going to happen. This is the category it falls in. And I, I'll give you a little illustration. So uh, a couple of years ago, a year or so ago, my son wrestled. And I had wrestled all throughout high school. And the same coach for the high school team is still there today that I had whenever I was, I was, I was a, a, in high school. And man, Coach Stoner was an amazing guy. Taught, I, I had no clue how far I could push myself. That guy taught me things about how far you could push yourself just with willpower that I never would have imagined. Great. Outstanding coach. Outstanding coach. Good, Great for character building too. So we go to a match, right? And I am like, I'm having all these flashbacks, you know, because he is he is the exact same <laughs> as he was in high school. And so here's this match I'm watching it, and this the the butler guy's winning, right? And the guy's trying to work, or the butler guy's trying to work a a move called a, a chicken wing, and you know it sounds like oh, a chicken wing. But I tell you what, if you can actually get the chicken wing in and lock it right, it the match is over. There's no way you're gonna. You're getting out of it, right? You're going to get a win. So I hear him yell, go get the chicken wing. Hit the arm bar. Chicken wing, arm bar. You know, he's yelling, he's yelling. And the guy is just, you know, trying to get it. He's not getting it. You know, and the match is over, right? And the Butler guy wins. And I say, you know, like there's people around me go, watch. He's going to shake his hand and say, great job, but you didn't get the chicken wing. And so sure enough, the guy, you know, raises his hand, comes off the mat. And, you know, Coach Stern shakes his hand, pats him on the back. And he's like, you see him say, you know, great job. He's like, you got to get the chicken wing. <laughs> you know, it was like perfectly played out because there were so many times of that too because it was like no matter how did, good you did, even if you won, he's going to tell you, you could have been better, right? <laughs> but we do this with things that we think we know. We put these categories to say, I know how this is going to play out, so it's going to be like this in my life. Now, here's the problem. We think that we have enough operational awareness to do that in our lives. However, there's a little thing called arrogance. Anyone ever experienced that before? No? Can I talk to you after service? (laughs) But what happens is is whenever we think we know, we lump these characteristics of what we anticipate into these categories. and We say, I I, I, I know how this is going to go. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're very wrong. Give you an example of this, so whenever I went to Bible college, there was people at Ramah, there were people from all over the world that came to the Bible college, right? And I had played throughout high school, I had played intramural volleyball, and I was, I was pretty good at it. I wasn't good at the, the spiking part, but I was really good at digging, catching the spikes from that were coming in and getting it set back up. And I had played against other kids that, you know, a couple, some college kids, some other high school kids, so I, I'm thinking like, oh, I got this volleyball thing under under the I got it. So I'm going to play intramural volleyball at Ramah, right? Well, we go to play with, against this one other team, and a guy, uh, his name was Rion. He, Rion was about 6'8", and Rion played for South Africa's Olympic team, <laughs> right? So, so here, is, here is young Ben Ogle Esquire, thinking he knows exactly how this is going to play out. I have the category. I've seen high-quality caliber volleyball players before, right? So we are playing against Rion. And there's part of me that's like, oh, yeah, come on. Like, I'm, I'm going I'm to catch this because you know a guy that that size, and obviously that skill level is going to spike, right? So here it is. It's in the match. And I still remember this. Him, they set him up and him going, and I'm, I'm getting myself ready to, for, this, for the spike, right? And it comes in, and, man, that thing – so I thought that there was a category of volleyball players that I understood. That ball came with so much force. <laughs> and I got under it, right? So like, okay, good for me. Well, here's the problem. As I go under it to catch it, he hyperextended my elbows just a little bit whenever it hit. Like the force of that thing hitting my arms popped it back, and it goes up. And there was, there was a brief moment after that that I understood very quickly my category for volleyball was severely displaced. (laughs) This was a whole other level that I had never seen nor experienced within my life. I also then was taught a quick lesson that whenever you go up to block against someone at that skill level, they can treat you like you're not even there. I was not even there. But here's the thing. I say this and we laugh about it, but We do this sometimes with God in ways where we stop him from being able to work further in our life. Or what we do is God has put us into a category that we are to remain within. And we do not want to be there any longer. And we take ourselves out. It's a tough place. It's a tough balance. But thank God for the Holy Spirit that he is able to speak to us on this. So I want us to really have open minds towards this. I don't want us to say like, oh, none of, I've, I've seen enough. I've been around. I know where this is going. God wants to give us new revelation on this to change the way we think about interacting with him. The things that we have previously thought, God wants us to change that thinking. Why? Because he is a God of revelation. He is a God of unlimited knowledge. He says that he himself is wisdom. I would rather let him guide me on what revelation, what categories to break in my life. Because he desires that for you. Everyone say, God, God wants me wants to, have to have revelation. And you know what? He's going to give you grace in your life to get out of those categories that you've placed yourself within, that you've limited yourself with. But this isn't a new idea or concept. You, have this going on actually all, all throughout the Bible, and the entire way that mankind has even approached God to summarize this going looking back in the, the history of the children of Israel starts out with a guy Abraham right God says, "Look you don 't got any kids, but i 'm going to give you kids and that was a category of I being mean, you go back and three Genesis, there was a lot there was a lot there to unpack of how Abraham dealt with that Abraham has uh, eventually has children, and one guy named Joseph shows up, gets a really cool-looking coat, ends up going to Egypt. God blesses him, blows the category of what a slave is out of the water. Joseph could have lived as a slave his entire life in Egypt and stayed just fine with that category. However, he knew that his God had more than that for him. Becomes second in line. In fact, I, it was kind of like one of those working, I, I think the working relationship with Pharaoh and Joseph was kind of like, look, Joseph, you're saying a whole lot of things right now. I don't exactly understand how all that's going to happen, but look, everybody just listen to this guy. You know, like, just, just, just do what he says. I, I'm still in charge, but just do what he says, right? Joseph brings his family, and his family multiplies. Eventually, they become a nation within a nation, and the Egyptians oppress them, turn them into slaves. New category. And then they cry out to God, and they want God to redeem them out of this slavery. Bear in mind that they had no bearing on who who God was other than the God of their fathers. There wasn't any process that they knew how to go through, anyway, other than just crying out to the heavens asking for help. God comes in like a 10-ton hammer, wrecks Egypt gets them out of there to go worship, and then you see that he takes them out to the desert to worship him. And before they go any further, he lays out these very specific laws of what they have to follow, what they need to do, how they need to even think about approaching him. Now, think about this, too. In that, if you read the book of Leviticus, there's some really strange stuff that ends up God directs them to say, like, like even like to have to spell it, say, look, guys, hey, animals? Yeah, Look, don't have sex with them, all right? Don't do that, like, like the other nations. Don't do that, right? Hey, you know your babies? Your babies, yeah, you know, the, the little ones that you, yeah. Don't, don't sacrifice them. Don't kill them, you know? Don't, 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 don't do that. In fact, you know, other people, you know, don't kill other people. Don't do that either. And you may say, well, why would God, why would God say, say all that? Because all the nations around them did that. That was their category. And God was saying, you no longer belong to the category of all these other people. You are now with me. And he gives them the law. And the law was incredibly visual. Everything was very visual in what it was. You did this, this has to happen, then this happens. It was all spelled out extremely detailed. The reason being, you say, why is because there was no Holy Spirit at that time to guide them, to lead them, to show them what they need to do. They needed to have everything spelled out very specifically. Take a look at this in Leviticus 1, 1 through 1-9. says, Then the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him in the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When any man brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of animals from the herd of, uh, or the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. Hear that. Before they even got to the temple to do any, the, the place where God was to do any worship, he said, look, 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 your offering starts out here. There's distance. That it may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. There was a transference. The sin that we, that that person had was onto that animal. It says, Then he shall slay the young bull before the Lord. Every time they sinned, they had to watch an animal die because of their sin. And Aaron's sons, the priests shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So get this, they watched the animal be slaughtered because of it. And then they literally take the blood and they're sprinkling it around the doorway. Is this visual enough for us? Hold on, it gets better. It says, Then he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. And there is a whole line of how it needs to be cut up. The sons of the Aaron the priest shall put the fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons the priest shall arrange the pieces and the head and the suet over the wood which is on the fire... That is on the altar. Its entrails, however, and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall offer up in smoke all of it on the altar for a burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. Did that paint a picture for you of what's going on? What it was is God wanted them to understand, look, there is a gap between sin and purity. There is a gap between your sin and me. And in order to approach me, you have to be pure. And because of sin, the only way to give justice to sin is for there to be death. So God said, I'll make a way. I'll cover your sin by letting you transfer your sin to an animal. And then you will watch the judgment of your sin on that animal. But the hard part about this is, this was a new category for the children of Israel, the law. So this was now God. This was now their worship. This was how they walked through with God every single day. But the thing was, the law was never intended to be the end point of their worship with God. And it showed them, the law, you might say, my gosh, what is that? What did did you just read to me? The point of that was for you to just have that reaction and say, my gosh, forever we're going to do this? And that's what God wanted them to realize. No, not forever. There needs to be a better sacrifice. Your priests, they're not good enough either. There needs to be a better priest. Your sin, it's covered. There needs to be a better solution. But for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, this was their worship. This is what they did time after time after time after time. And then Jesus Christ shows up. He was perplexing to them. He broke all their categories of God that they had previously put on God. Jesus Christ was the law. He followed the law. But there was something different. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Something that they weren't accustomed to. And whenever they saw him fulfill the law, they had never seen or imagined anything like that. He broke the category of what their worship was supposed to be. He visually showed them God's love through miracles. Whereas before visually, all they saw was the punishment of sin and the death of these animal sacrifices on their behalf. It was something foreign to them. The words he spoke were truth, judgment, and love all in one. It was hard for them to grasp. He revealed to them that this love was always there within the law, but they had lost sight of it. The law was their justice, but it was also the love of God to allow them to even have a way to approach Him. But honestly, Jesus Christ blew their minds. And you you almost take you must take it for granted how Jesus changed the Jews' thinking. You you say like, oh well, if I lived back then, I would have I would have accepted Jesus right away. No, no, no. I I I I think you would have. I think if we were practicing Jews, we would have had a very hard time understanding it. We would have been drawn to it, but there would be something perplexing about who is this man? He's so different. And then he does he does something even more than this. He's he's showing them all this love of God. And it's confusing to them, but then he, he takes something, he does something that never, you didn't really see much before this. He broke their categories of who God was because he then started to associate, and he said, the way that you treat your fellow man is the way that you are treating your heavenly father. And up to this point, that association was, no, no, no way. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. How dare you even think about comparing the comparison of a man to God I like that? But then Jesus further says in Matthew 25 that whenever we do kind things and serve others and help others in need, Jesus replies back and says, you did that for me. Conversely, he also says, whenever you didn't do it for those people, you didn't do it to me. Now all of a sudden, the abrasive, the unlearned, the, un- the ignorant, the unhelpful, prideful, ungrateful, neurotic, psychotic, depressed, lying, greedy, unloving humans were now a direct representation of how you interact with God and not out of the sake of pity, but for the sake of how do you treat them. It was tough. You know, he even went further and he said, now those humans, those unloving, those abrasive people The ones that you don't forgive, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you either. That was a category break. Because before it was, well, wait a minute, what about the animal? I'm just going to go figure this out between me and the bull. It's bad news for the bull, but I'll be all right in the end. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you can't do it for somebody else, I won't do it for you. That's why I think Peter was like... Blew his mind where Jesus is like, well, how many times do I got to forgive someone in a day, God? Like, uh, what are you talking about? Seven times? Like, is that enough? And Jesus is saying, no, up to 70 times seven. Yeah. Peter, you know what's so beautiful about that? This is what I love. God is never going to ask you to do something that he himself is not willing to do. That lets me know that I can mess up so much in a day. I can mess up so many times in my life, and my Heavenly Father still loves me and he will forgive me and take me back and make it like it never happened because of the blood of Jesus. It is so good. Man, our time went by so fast. I'll end with this and, and, and focus on this with us. He also says, Jesus also then says to him, Now, you also need to take care because the same way that you judge those unloving, abrasive, neurotic, unhelpful people will be the same way that you get judged. And that was a new category, especially for the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees saw themselves as above all else. They were better than the other ones. Why? Because they knew the laws of God. But they knew the laws of God, you realize like they had them, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. Can you can you fathom that? Memorize that? Memorized. And now they're being told, look, hey, Pharisee, if you judge that person, you're gonna get judged in the same way. I say, what? What are you talking about to me like this? You almost understand why they reacted so abrasively to it. But here's my question for you. How many times has the Holy Spirit tried to speak in your heart to change your attitude, to stop judging that person, to stop doing that sin in your life and your abrasive response toward God is get out of my category, God. It's fine how it is. I can't help it. We're not so far off. But if we approach it with humility, like the man that brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And Jesus says, how long do I have to put up with your unbelief? And what was his response? Help my unbelief. The humility in that. If we can do that with our own lives. And you know, I I, I tell you what, America is in a tough spot, especially whenever it comes to the church the media, and even other Christians are so attacking of the body of Christ. Of how this church does that. This pastor did that. That's going on over there. They didn't, look, you know what? It's all imperfect people. All of it. But what we have to watch, and you, I mean, you you see the things with like what came out with Hillsong, and I mean, look, there's some very bad things that some of their, one of their pastor was doing. And then all of a sudden, out of the word work you see all these people that have all these horror stories about, oh, they treated me like this, and they did that, and they don't care about anything, and all this. And I never see in any single one of those interviews, and I've read a ton of them, where they say, I felt like God called me to be there. Not a single one. They really helped me with some things. Not a single one. All it is, is blind railing judgment. And I'm going to tell you here, look, you are never going to go find, until Jesus Christ comes back, there is not going to be a perfect church that operates on the planet earth. There will not. Why? Because there are people that still operate those imperfect churches. I mean, this one included. Now you say, well, uh, some people are really malicious with that. Is that for you to judge? Here's the thing, whenever God calls you somewhere to serve, God doesn't call you to pick out all the imperfections. He calls you to serve. If you see the imperfections, what is the righteous and just thing to do is to pray. Whenever you see something on the news, whenever you hear about what you're seeing with some, some I mean, I just, it's fresh because I read some articles with it this week, railing against these, a church, That legitimately is trying to help people, sure, are they perfect? No, they're not. Maybe is there a valid argument to it? Yeah. But is the judgment that they're putting through in the articles like that, and just, I'm listening to these other, even pastors that have left churches, rail against these churches. And the only thing I think about is in Jude. In Jude 1-9, the situation where Michael is contending for the body of Moses with Satan, now, if there's one entity that I think that you could probably land a pretty good judgment on would be Satan. <laughs> Correct? I mean, like, you're probably not going to go wrong with putting some judgment on Satan. Right? He, he's, he's bad. You know, he, he's a bad guy. Bad guy does bad things. But what did Michael do? He didn't even—you know what? I'm going to read it because it, it's so pure. Just listen to this. It says, but Michael the archangel— This guy is at the top of the heavenly food chain in the divine councils. When he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, he did not dare pronounce against him an abusive judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That is a place of humility, but whenever you are in that place of humility, you are under the category of protection of your heavenly father. And so I want to encourage us today, whenever your family does something where you want to exercise that judgment. Whenever your work does something where you want to exercise that judgment. (laughs) Whenever this church does it. I'll I'll be honest, just as a quick example, there was a period of time that whenever Amanda and I were younger and this church was starting off, man, we thought we knew everything. and We we thought we knew exactly how all churches should operate. And I'll be honest, we had a lot of judgment towards Pastor Stephen Mamie. And the funny thing was, is the more that we operated in that, we found that it actually eroded our own call in our lives. The virtues that God put inside of us, all of a sudden, we were negative against them too. And thank God that he spoke to us and showed us it, that I'm not, it's not us, I mean, look, has anyone here worked with family? right? All right, all right. Let me just say, let me just say, like, you got problems with your boss, like, your boss, also your dad, like, like, look, and, and, and your pastors, it's like, holy moly, Lord, how many categories do I need to put on this human being to, like, work with this? Honestly. Really? We laugh about it now, but, like, there were some times where, you know, things were so funny, you know. No, but what what did it come down to? You said, well, how did it change? Did you sit down and go through counseling? Did you sit down and, no, you know what it was? It was humility. Because I stopped viewing, we stopped viewing them as two human beings that were just as imperfect as us, or an organization that was... You know, had, had look, man, had, right, we've, we've, I don't know. If you find a perfect organization, please send it to me. I'd love to, love to know about it. But what it was is where we changed it to the point of, this is all done to the Lord. This isn't people. This isn't a church. This is the Jesus Christ. And whenever we changed that category, we found that very quickly it wasn't just Pastor Stephen Mamie that we were putting that on. We found that it was people around us, family members. And whenever we changed it to bring it back to what God said, we well, look, 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 look. The way you judge others, the way you interact with others, the way you serve others—it's me. It's not them. It's me. And whenever we did that, it was so liberating. It was so liberating. And I want to encourage you. I don't know if you have this and you do this towards someone. It's, look, I get it. It's easy to do. Family is probably the, I mean, my word. And you could be like, well, Pastor Ben, look, you know, those categories you talked about, that one with experience, not, experience guided by knowledge, Yeah, I live it. I know it. I can put, no, 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 no. Is that what Jesus Christ said to do? No matter how they treat you? In fact, what did he say? Whenever others curse you, you should return it with a blessing. Do not return evil with evil, but rather kindness. It's a tough law to follow. But as we do it, as we do it, I know i 'm skipping over. could we go to the I'll close with this Romans twelve, I promise, sorry to keep us over on this. I just really feel like we needed this Romans twelve one, as we do this, as we change our categories and it 's not just judgment on people it 's limiting God where it says i 'm not good enough i can 't have that because of my past i can 't do this because of my experience. I can't do this, God. I can't, whenever we put all these categories, we are not worshiping our Heavenly Father. We are worshiping ourselves. We are worshiping our own experiences to be greater than what God's power can do in our life. Whenever we say, I can't have a healthy relationship because of the things that have happened to me in the past, you are saying, God, you can't undo the trauma that has been caused by another human being. Whenever you say, I can't be healed because I've done this sin in my past, you're saying, the bl- sorry God, the blood of Jesus just wasn't good enough to totally cleanse me. Wow. Whenever it says, I can't, I, can't, I can't have all my needs met, I, I, just, I know I'm just supposed to suffer. That means that whenever he says that I have blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, he must have got it wrong. Our categories are arrogant. Our categories are not worshiping our Heavenly Father. So today what I want us to do, I don't know where those categories are at. I don't know if it's something mental. I don't know if it's something emotional. I don't know what it is in your life. But I want want you to know the Holy Spirit will help you start today, break those categories and change those things in your life. And you will enter into places that you have never thought possible because of His revelation. But you must stop. You have to choose. Because once we do that, once we say, God, some of the categories that I have need to be changed. I need to change the way that I worship on a Sunday morning. I, 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 can't, just, I can't just stand in one place anymore. I, I'm uncomfortable to lift my hand, but I'm going to lift my hand and worship. I'm going to start singing. I'm, I don't know where it is. It's different for all of us. But whenever we start to undo these categories and say, I am a child of God and Lord, whatever you want for me, I will do it. All these people around me tell me who I need to love and I'll love them because it's really you, Jesus Christ. Then, whenever Paul says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, Doing this is just spiritual service of worship. You live a life of worship then. And don't be conformed into this world. Why? Because this world wants to categorize it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what's happening today by the Holy Spirit. So that you will prove what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Today is the day that it changes for us. Your decision can do it. As soon as you take that step, whether you realize it or not, the power of God will begin to change it. You know what? And I, I, I'm going to say this too. people with kids. In fact, this is, this is probably one of the, yes. If you've said and you've put your child into one of these categories by whatever it is, their behavior, put a category. The way that you see them act, you put a category even the way that you think you parent and you've put a category. I'm telling you right now, this is big. I'm telling you, this is a word of God right here. Someone in here needs to change the way that you're categorizing your child because God has incredible things for your children. But unless you change it, it will never happen. And it's up to you and God will hold you accountable for not doing it. Please do it today. I don't care if your child is I don't care if your child is unborn, 2, 4, 12, 25, 39. Do you think God's limited by age? My gosh, he made Abraham and Sarah have a kid whenever they're in their 90s. God doesn't care about age. He cares about our hearts. So Father God, Lord, today, I ask that, Lord, your mercy would be on us so that we can enter in and we can live out a life of worship which is wholly devoted to to you. Which is perfected, Lord God, by your love in our lives. Father, help us grow. Help us understand that, Lord, there is so much more for us if we just open our hearts to you. To submit to you to say, Lord, I will serve you how you ask me to serve you. I will do what you ask me to do. I will change my expectations of what I can have in this life, to be better because he wants better for you. Father, today I ask that your Holy Spirit would move on everybody's hearts. Father, the people that are here, but the people that are watching, their categories would be broken. They would see how unlimited you are. You know, never wanting to go without this. You're watching or you're here. The only way to begin breaking that category at first is through Jesus Christ and asking Jesus Christ to change your heart and your life. To ask him to be your savior. Take you out of spiritual death and give you eternal life. To give you the category of being a chosen son or daughter of God. And then all of this available. you. And that comes through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you the opportunity today, if you've not done that, I want you to raise your hand if you want to. You online that are watching, you say, I've never done that. It's simple. We prayed this prayer. We're going to pray it all together. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it from your heart, God will save you. Your category will be changed will be a son or daughter of God. Say this with me. Say, God, I need you. I need a Savior to save me, to forgive me. Jesus, I call on you. Save me. Forgive me. Mend my life.